Welcome to Gaming NBS episode 131, sponsored by GameholeCon, a gaming convention coming to Madison, Wisconsin the first weekend in November. Get your ass to GameholeCon. Visit GameholeCon.com for more information. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I am Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back for those of you who have been here before. How are you doing, Sean? Holy, right? holy cow, man. Just fan, fan-matastic. Fan-matastic, I think. Uh, Sean only had to he had to chase one cat and I think he had to murder another cat before the show started. I've been uh, doing some more remodeling in my house, so now I'm, I was late to the show, um, but I think I got everything underway. Yes, my cat. People don't want to hear about my cat. I won't talk about my cat. Anyway, anyways, hey, hey pet pets, what are you gonna do? Huh? Pit- huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, about those pets. Hey, what about all that coffee? So anyway, um, announcements to do this thing here. So. If you haven't already seen it on one of our social media feeds, um, Sean and I, very fortunate, we had Eloy LaSanta from Third Eye Games talk about his PIP system Kickstarter. That is still going strong. Uh, he has reached his funding, so that is really cool. I, <clears throat> my hope is that somewhere within that, that Sean and Brett helping to pimp the PIP uh, helped, to, <laughs> helped to get him over the line there. But there's a bonus BS episode out there. Um, for those who are interested in listening to Eloy and Sean and I talk about the PIP system, which I still believe is a really damn good core universal rule system. I think it's really, really cool. Looking forward to that one. I backed it. Sean, did you, I assume? I did, yes. Good man. Yep. Oh, the other, um, speaking of podcasts, goodness, uh, core, uh, <clears throat> blah, 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 blah. So Chad Parrish, his uh, Vorpal Chainsword better half, was out in Belfast, I believe, doing whatever he's doing in Ireland, probably drinking. Um, and uh, Chad got a hold of Brett and said, hey, you play Merp, don't you? Middle-earth role-playing? I said, well, yes, I do. So episode 40, um, we recorded it earlier today. And if I am looking at the Dead Game Society webpage correctly, DG, dgsociety.net, yeah, it's already up. So I think Chad didn't have a lot to do this morning. <laughs> he got that locked and loaded. So episode 40, we'll have a link in the show notes, but that's up there too. And uh, we're going to GaryCon. That's in two weeks. So less than two weeks, actually, because it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. Sean, are you staying? You got a room? You good? I am. I am. Dan, Dan, my friend Dan, has offered, uh, and uh, he's offered to put me up. I will, of course, chip in, but nonetheless, I did not have prior accommodations um, and thank God he, he reached forward. Otherwise, you know, I guess I would have slept in the lobby. I think I got lucky. I, Corey and Dave Wynn got a hold of me and said, Hey, are you and Sean coming? I'm like, well, I know I'm staying. Well, we can make room for you. If Sean needs it, you can, you can probably get him in here too. We can sleep on the floor too. So anyway, he did, sal- he did offer, he did, he did reach out to me and I said, I, I think I'm good. So good. Yeah. It would have been, you know, three spoon, three spoon stack would have been nice, but. Well, it keeps you warm in these cold, uh, cold Wisconsin springs, you know. Well, yeah. So speaking of GaryCon, there's a cool thing. I'm hoping Sean and I are going to corner um, our buddy Hobbs and talk to the Hobster and see if we can't get a little uh, cross-pollination between podcasts going. I've got an idea for a kind of an OSRE type of contest that I'd like to do. I'm going to run up by the Hobbsman and see what he has to say, uh, do that in person at GaryCon, and uh, then we'll see if we can kick that off. That should be fun. Sweet. So I right. did all I did all the talking, man. Do you have any announcements? <laughs> I totally ran over I you d- there. I don't have any announcements that I can think of. No, uh, nope, no, I don't this week. Well then, let's random encounter it up. Let's do it. 
Random Encounter, segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. Brett, you want to start? Sure. Blake Ryan on dragons. Good day. Had a recurring villain that was a dragon in one campaign. The dragon's plan was basically keep setting creatures in the area against each other, then recruit the survivors. Ooh, I like that. Dragon in human form hired the PCs to raid a minotaur lair. Minotaurs retaliated by gathering allies, with the dragon financing them, and besieging the city. PCs were manning the walls, dragon again in human form, while laughing, threw one of the PCs over the wall into the minotaurs. I really like this. <laughs> so they figured out their recruiter was a bad guy, but didn't know she was a dragon. They waited in one of her places in town, sprang the ambush, and wounded her. She turned into a dragon, thrashing her, trashing one of her hideouts, but the PCs ran for it. Later on, they tried to attack her in the wild, so she immediately flew up and opened her two bags of holding. One had a mirror of opposition, the other a dozen rust monsters in it. <laughs> the party was very united in their hatred and determination to put an end to this damned evil dragon. <laughs> I've never done that, a bag full of rust monsters. That is awesome, especially showering rust monsters down upon the party like a salt and pepper shaker. That is a really, really cool idea. It's It's horribly mean, but I like it. Got to season them with something. Exactly. Right. It's, it's kind of like lobster. You get the hard, crusty shell off, and then you get the juicy adventurer bits inside. Indeed, yeah. Dip them in butter, man. Yum, yum, player characters. <laughs> Next. Mike. Oh, Mike, Mike, Mike. Uh, Mike P. It's Passwald. Passwald. Shoot, Mike. I'm sorry, man. If we screw this up, which I'm sure we already have, Mike, uh, give us a phonetic spelling, and we will do that next time. Hey, BSers, slowly getting back into the hobby, and you guys have been a great source of information. I cannot tell you how much I love it when I hear somebody that has gone back into the hobby and found it again or in, and starting to venture in it. I know Mike, our, our buddy on Facebook and Google Plus who joined our community, started looking to it. He emailed us once. I love it. I talk to people all the time, man. They're like, I got dice on my desk at work. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I I started doing the same thing, actually, just to try to find out who else around me are gamers. It's amazing. And I'm a recruiter, so I I get people in my office every day, like, and I talk to them, and they look at my dice, and I I recruit IT people. So, of course, there are many, many IT folks that come up through the ranks have played D&D at some point in time or a role-playing game, and... Man, I'm like, yeah, I play every week, man. And they say, really? And I said, yeah. They say, yeah, I played as a kid. And I said, ah, you got to get back into it. Oh, well, yeah, I know I should. You know, Anyways. I'm, I'm going to do a quick aside here. Another guy who just did something very, very similar to that as far as uh, <clears throat> calling pulling him in was Jason the Beard Blaylock. Good old Blaylock uh, doing the long haul trucker thing. He, um, what was his G plus post? He just threw it up there not that long ago, but he's, ba- he's at a truck stop. Um, he's got time in between two truck drivers, one waitress and a traveling machine tool salesman with four hours to kill. Sounds like an adventuring party to me. <laughs> so no shit. He's got a copy of, of the hero's journey, fantasy role-playing hardcover. He's got plus a fistful of dice on top of it. And I'm like, God damn, that is really cool. And he said, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. How many people you meet in truck stops that quote unquote used to play in school. Yeah. So that's just awesome. Anyway, carry on. Keep going. Now, while I have a job that allows me to spend a lot of time with my headphones in, I haven't gotten to hearing all your episodes yet. 
I was going through the episode titles, and I don't think I saw one about random tables and or generators. There are a lot of sources out there. The first edition DMG, the DCC rulebook, and Wizard Dawn and Mag. It's Wizard Dawn dash and... Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. It's at Wizard Dawn dot and dash mag dot com. That is a messed up domain name. It's a real domain name. I'm on it right now. Wizard Drawn is what it's <clears throat> wizard on. So it's looked like wizard dawn, wizard on dot <laughs> and dash mag. So it's and magazine basically is what it is. And ampersand and magazine. It's cool. We've had this, we've had this link out there before. Yes. This is good stuff. Anyway, keep going. Where else can I look? And as someone who is slowly building his own bag of DM tricks, what might be some basics of making tables of my own? Thanks for the time. I've relocated. I'm a relocated Wisconsinite, and it's great to hear voices from my home state covering a topic I love. I'm always looking forward to your next podcast. Cheers. So, Mike, you know, if you, when you get homesick, you got to come back in November and then hang out with us at GameholeCon. Yes. There you go. I mean, that would, I mean, I know a lot of people that relocate out of Wisconsin probably don't really want to come back unless they got family, but hey, man. We're family. Oh, absolutely. We're we're family we're, of gamers. That's right. We're, we're so, family. So to Mike's question, where can, else can I look as someone slowly trying to build his own bag of DM tricks to making tables and so forth? Honestly, um, you hit any of the OSR websites or groups online. If you're on Google+, if you're on Facebook, um, find a Dungeon Crawl Classics group online. Find um, OSR um, groups that <clears throat> do that type of thing. The reason I'm saying that is because a lot of the, the random tables and stuff are very prevalent within the OSR community. There's plenty of it in other places as well. But I know even guys like uh, Dyson Logos, <clears throat> excuse me, who's very well known for his map making chops, um, does some random charts and stuff periodically. So there's always some, there's plenty of good stuff out there. And seriously, man, I mean, get on Google Plus. Search the communities for a game system that you like, like AD&D, something along those lines. There's literally hundreds of them out there. Find one, poke around in it, and you're going to find some really cool stuff. So I, I, to add on to that, I have a buddy of mine, Ephraim. I don't know if he listens to the show. He's here in Madison. And I thought he ran an RPG, and he he ran his own system, quote unquote. And I think what he did, and I've seen it before, is he's got like this three-ring binder. And in the three ring binders, just tons and tons of tables. Like one sheet is j- names. Another sheet is random treasure. Another sheet is, you know, probably encounters, random encounters. You know, it just goes on and on and on and on. And a lot of stuff was, I think, taken from Chartmaster, aka Rollmaster, amongst other things. But even, even drive through has got a ton of like, I, I imagine pay what you want or a dollar or whatever it is to get just tables and tables of stuff. That's a really good point. A lot of the drive and there's drive through RPG is doing their GM's day sale. Now I think, yeah, I think it ended uh, today. Did it end today? Did it end yesterday, yesterday or today? So today we are recording this in case anybody gets this like a year from now, it's March 12th, 2017. Um, in which case could be another four years from now. It's on the same weekend. I don't remember. But anyway, if you go out there to Sean's point, there's plenty of um, different uh, systems, system agnostic stuff, 
all sorts of things. Some of it's pay what you want. Some of it is absolutely free. Some of it is like two bucks. Some of it's a dollar. Some of it's five bucks. And uh, there's some really good, really good stuff out there. And again, if you want like, hey, is this worth spending my two dollars on? Hit up a community on Google Plus and ask. People will tell you. Um, so we have Christians next. And then, Brett, if you haven't read it yet, I wouldn't read it. No? Well, so he he was listening to Voices, episode 130. And I think he got to a point where he stopped it, commented, and then went and continued and then realized what he says in his post is exactly what we say in our which show. is which is why uh, the parenthetical end here if you look in the notes it says yes. and of course you guys touched on these things later in the episode as i'm listening to it yes so, yeah. which so, i i gotta say it's actually it's actually very flattering that christian was either so caught up in the magic of what sean and i were doing or the bullshit that we were spewing that he had to stop listening to us and then uh give us about four or five paragraphs worth of his opinion which is really cool Actually, it's not. It's not that bad. I think no, it's no, worth no. reading because he does. He does. Yeah, he, I think he he touches and reiterates on some of the things that we were saying, but he, he phrases it differently. Yes, he says he's listening to episode one thirty right now. I think you guys are handling the topic really well. One thing I'd like to add, or I guess further expand on, is the use of tone, cadence, and choice words without having to depend on funny voices. Uh, stealing a page from voice and tone style guides, Google MailChimp style guide, you can use these tools to create different personalities and moods. A character could have a slower, deliberate tone or a mo- animated tone that varies in pitch. Maybe they don't use contractions where they make use of metaphors versus speaking plainly and concisely. A character could have a friendly, welcoming tone, or maybe they come across as cynical, impatient, or preoccupied. The Innkeeper of the Prancing Pony in The Fellowship of the Ring is another good example. Not necessarily a funny voice, just a certain disposition. He wants to come across as helpful and make guests feel welcome. As a aside, I would also say the other piece that he has is he's always stressed out. When you read the book, he's always overwhelmed, he's overworked, he's red-faced, he's running and doing, and always leaving the people feeling breathless when he walks away. Christian continues, also positioning your head or other body language can change the personality greatly. Someone who looks down and doesn't make eye contact could seem skittish. Someone who turns their head slightly and looks at you in the eye from a sideways view could be studying you very carefully. Someone too busy to make eye contact, cleaning the tables in an inn, can come across as not wanting to be bothered. So for those who feel uncomfortable with accents, don't use them. Use other means to express personality traits. And as I pointed out, and of course you guys touched on these things later in the episode as I'm listening to it. But I think, (coughs) excuse me, just the words that he's using, cynical, impatient, preoccupied, skittish, those types of personalities and moods, even if you just write down um, – now, when, when they meet the bartender, it's uh, Barlim Butterbur, overworked, and helpful. Okay. It's two things that right there grab you as a game master. You remember what it is. It's a simple note like that that says skittish, um, nervous, won't look in eyes. Simple notes like that are, are very, very helpful. And again, the body language, which we touched on, kind of that tail end, you know, hunching your shoulders, changing your changing your physical positioning as a game master does give visual cues as well as the verbal to the players. All right. Hey, thanks, Christian. Absolutely. Christopher Gray on Google Plus, one shade of gray. Hey <laughs> Potions. Oh. Apparently, I'm behind. Anyway, couldn't help but bring up my comic relief and also a secret dragon, Alistair Hole, or Mr. <laughs> a Hole. Nice. Uh, who runs an alchemy and magic item shop for my long-term D&D campaign. He will always give the characters 
what they want at a discount as long as they test some potions he's been working on. <laughs> some, re- some results. Number one, dwarf's beard turned bright magenta. Number two, dwarf grew to be seven feet. Number three, dwarf became an elf. Dwarf was the one who always needed the magic items. <laughs> uh, number four, dwarf became a cat. Number five, dwarf, wait for it, lost his beard. Oh. Ooh. Amidst the shenanigans, hey, bonus for shenanigans. Bonus for shenanigans. They also got useful items and potions, but it was always fun to see what Mr. Hole would come up with. By the way, the magenta beard was so hilarious it became a thing. The other party members are always trying to change his beard color back to magenta. <laughs> they, they even had a troop of soldiers under their command that they called the Magenta Guard. You know, it's funny. Legends are made of that shit. <laughs> they are. This is this is how. Yeah, we've talked about this a number of, number of times. This is how memorable characters and adventures happen. It's not always the the five go- goblins you killed. It's the magenta bearded dwarf coated in the blood of his enemies who just looks stunning. <laughs> Game masters, that is a knowledge role. That's a knowledge success role right there. Absolutely. You've heard of this dwarf whose beard had turned magenta, who headed up what was called later became the magenta guard. So maybe it's called the magenta guard, and that's the story of its origins. And uh, continuing... And as a druid, he often changed to magenta-colored animals. <laughs> nice. Good times. Good times. Thank you, Christopher. That was good. <laughs> Love it. Um, last but not least, we have Jared Rasher on Google+. Plus. In honor of the latest episode, I feel it's time to commemorate my most spectacular accent fail, where I attempted to give a dwarf a Scottish accent, which turned into an Irish accent, and by the end of the evening, it sounded kind of Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, Jared completes this with, these days, everybody gets a Bane accent. Sin Bane from the uh, Batman movie. That's awesome. So, yeah, where's that? I don't even know how to do a Bane accent. <laughs> her, brat, her. I love it. Which is, <laughs> we've talked about this before, being okay to fail and so on. And that's part of it, right? Sometimes you're going to say, I want to do a character with an accent. I think I've got a great Scottish accent. You're going to lay it out there. And next thing you know, you sound French. You have no idea how you ended up. In Paris, but by God, there you are, and it just it happens. We'll we'll try stuff; and it won't always work, but that's that's cool, man. It's it's all fun. That's awesome. I love it. Very well, Jared. Thanks for sharing. Sharing. All right, let's get in the main topic, eh, Brett? Yes, sir. Do it. All right, what are we talking about this week, Brett? Well, we had Steve Orlick had pulled this up before when he was talking about, you know, who really runs the game. This is kind of a philosophical, theoretical discussion, perhaps. We'll see how we go. Um, but Steve was l- lamenting, I'll say that, and Steve, if you were not lamenting, correct me. Um, the fact that he wanted to run a certain type of game, but the players, one player in the group was was down for it, and the rest of them were kind of doing their own thing. One person was being like super host, always up away from the table, another person was like slapstick guy, and so on. And Steve kind of posed a question, excuse us, excuse me, to us and other listeners, like, you know, who's really running this show? Damn it. Um, Brett paraphrasing. So I figured, you know, we'll kind of talk about that and uh, see what we think. I, I have a, I have what I think is the answer, but we'll see after we 
plot our way through this where we get to. You good, Sean? Dude, I'm good, man. All right. So <clears throat> I think it's very clear. Steve, I mean, Steve basically said this. I think it's incredibly there. The there is great power that the players have at the table, right? The players can. I, I my list is you know. <sighs> I know it hurts Sean greatly. <laughs> Well, your players, I mean, they can accept or dismiss the game's premise and setting, their desire to use the rules, how they portray their characters, you know, whether they're slapstick, silly, they've got goofy names, whatever. Um, if they take part in the plot or plots um, that the GM uh, uh, throws out or tries to create their own. And the other piece that players there can also help enforce the agreement between players and game masters, what it is that we're here to do. I have found over the years that, I mean, I, I jokingly, you know, my Wausau gaming group, my my pantheon of gaming gods, as I has been joked, um, I've gamed with these men and women for you know 20, over twenty five years at this point. It's been a long damn time. We know how we game. We know what we like to do. Uh, we know how we like to game and so forth. <clears throat> so when I'm going to run Dungeon Crawl Classics, Austin um, says, "You know what, Brett? That really doesn't seem like a game I want to play. I'd rather do something else. I'll sit this one out. I'll come back." Um, that's totally legitimate in our group, and that's fine. Other people have said, hey, I'm going to play this other game. Who can make it? Oh, I can't make it. That's no big deal. Off you go. You guys can play. And not every group has that luxury. Not every group knows each other that well. So I really do believe, though, when I've played games at cons or run games at cons, if you've got some good players at the table, they 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 dive in, they get into the game, and um, if the players choose not to, they can derail even the tightest of railroad schedules, regardless of how Sean wishes to lay them down, they can completely derail your game. So, Sean, is that... I think the play. some players, we've talked about this before, have a feeling that it's up to the game master to control all of that stuff. And I really think that part of that, and again, this is a topic we've touched on in the past, but I think players do need to they have a stake in they have stake in that too, right? Because it's not just a prior, it's not just a spectator sport when you're gaming. Yes, they do, Brat. <laughs> they Gr- do. Grudgingly admits it. They do. You the players do. The it's it's uh they they've got to buy into everything. They've got to be willing to roll with what the GM puts in front of them to the point of willingness to participate. And that includes kind of accepting what is put in front of them to the, I mean, I guess I just said that like twice, but what I'm trying to say, I'll tell you what I'm trying to say, Brett. Okay. Lay it on me. I'm ready. If, if Brett or myself, or if I'm GMing and Brett's my player and I say, okay, Brett, you're a fighter and you are, you, you've decided that you're one of the King's guard. The King brings you into the courtroom and, uh, or throne room and says, Hey, we have a mission for you, Brett. Brett says, okay. And we, they, the King gives Brett's player character, the, the mission. Brett's got to buy into the fact that he's going to go on that mission. Or he doesn't, I guess, and then the GM has to come up with that. But then the GM didn't plan probably for Brett not doing that. So you kind of got to go with with the hook for a little bit. Um, and it's not always because the GM's going to give you options, rightfully so. But if you're just going to be like, 
I don't want to do that. And then you just go off on your own. It's, it's not, it's one, the GM's not going to be prepared for it. And two, it's like taking your ball and going, and going home, home a little bit. The other piece that happens, as Steve had talked about before, is when you have different players at the table, all with different agendas. You know, you've got one person who's really into it, somebody else who's kind of into it, and somebody else who wants to be the class clown. Then you end up with a player schism, right, where the players aren't gelling well at the table either, and that's not necessarily good. That's similar to what you're saying, but just on a grander scale. <laughs> More of a sandbox failure, if you will. So the other piece then is if we flip it, just to kind of blow through this, uh, flip it to the the game master, the power there, right? You know, leading doesn't mean controlling. If you work in corporate America, you know, it's the power of leading, persuading people, leading without authority and so forth because you don't really have authority. You can pretend you do as a game master. The Boom, the ethereal zombie attacks you and kills Sean's character because you're being a douche. Okay, um, <clears throat> maybe that worked for some gamers, but not for most. Um the other thing that the game master needs to do is, in my opinion, you need to learn to work with what you're given. If I'm running a game <clears throat> for my kids, my kids are not going to game the same way that Sean, Kevin, and Humfleet and those guys are gaming. It's just they're not, right? And if Sean's playing with my kids, then Sean's got to also, from the player perspective, then say, well, you know, I got to work with what I have here. I've got... You know, I've got an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 16-year-old, and we're kind of in this happy zone. This is where we're going to stay. We probably won't have a lot of dead babies. Okay, we can move on. Um, the other thing that I've learned as a game master is that if you're going to change up the ideas and so on, we've hinted at and talked about this directly before, you introduce the ideas, approaches, concepts, and so forth um, in one shot, small scenes and campaigns. You, you do it a little bit smaller. And the last piece to me is no one to admit defeat. Right. <laughs> I want to run this type of game. The group swears to whatever their god of choice is that they're totally going to get in on this. And then halfway through, the only people who want to play that game are Sean, Ange, and Brett. Everyone else are being assholes or they don't want to play or they decide they don't like it, whatever. Sometimes you need to walk away. It's the, uh, you know, you, you know, no one to hold them, no one to fold them type of thing. Sometimes walking away is the best thing to do. If you're not willing to change and work with what you're given, if you want to hold a hard line, sometimes you got to walk away and not have a game. Now, all that said, though, Sean, I think <clears throat> trying to determine who has more control, whatever, I guess, does it really matter? At, I mean, it, we, we say communi communicate, 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 session zero. Everybody talks about that. <clears throat> I, I think really the, the power at the table is essentially shared. If you have to have the players can derail something as quickly as a game master who doesn't who isn't paying attention can. Um, I really think, though that the players have more, a little bit more power than the game master because they're the ones who really drive the plot. If you're doing it right. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, it depends on the game. Okay. Give me a, give me an instance there. Um, <clears throat> one could argue that a powered by the apocalypse is very heavily into the player's realm where the GM may not be as forefront as, well, that's not a, that's not a good example. I do think it's a balance. Yes. But I, I'm sure there's a game out there. I'm trying to think of one where it's very player centric, you know, I don't know. No, I, I agree with you. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you have a, a system that's all player facing dice, right? Like a cipher system. If you have, um, um, let's think uh shit the uh the drama system with hill folk and stuff where it's all petitioners granters they're choosing whether or not to give you 
permission to go forward. Um, and some of the, as, uh, as Kevin and, uh, Phil will say the hippie games, right? Where it's a lot more contr- <clears throat> controls a hard, it's a harsh word, but there's a difference of when the power is given to different people. Like I have the, pos- I am at this stage now, I have the power to make this happen or I don't have the power to make that happen. Um, fiasco, I've not played Sean, but you've played fiasco. Um, this fiasco is that, is that kind of where you're going? There isn't really a game master in fiasco. Um, there might be someone that moderates it and plays or just moderates. I think I can't remember off the top of my head. If you can, I know I've run, I've been in a game where the person running it or is moderating it. And simply really what they're doing is, uh, at this, at that, for that particular game, we were a bunch of newbies. And so, they were helping us run the game where I think if everybody knew how to play the game, that person might not have been needed, but no, that's, I, I think there are games that we're probably not thinking of. That's not, I think what we're referring to is GM games. There's a dedicated role as game master. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, um, shoot, I had an idea and it just went right out of my brain. Damn it. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't want to just go down the whole, you know, be a better player, be a better game master, but it, there is a, there is, no regardless of the game system you're running, the players, in my opinion, always have a little bit more oomph at the table, right? Where they're the ones that can say, you know, you're there to kill the dragon. No, I want to turn, I want to subdue the dragon and tame the dragon and turn it into my mount so I can wage war against the great city of Greyhawk. You, you want to what? Says the game master. And this goes into the saying yes and or no buts and and those types of those types of things, <clears throat> but the players are the ones in my in my book anyway that are taking the plots and the things that are that are handed out to them and all the different streams and red herrings and all that stuff and they're the ones that are actually driving it forward. If the game master has the cattle prod and is constantly zapping people overtly zapping people to get them to go somewhere and do something, then that's that, that's not good. I mean, the game master can always do that, but I think that's kind of the last resort. I, th- I do believe, honestly, that the players, um, and perhaps this is a weird, weird thing for me to say because I do like my OSR games. You'll read some of them, like in Lamentation of the Flame Princess, James Raggy will say, "Look, the game master has absolute authority of what works in his or her world." I, I'm paraphrasing there, but other people have had that belief that I have gained with over the years, and I know that's an old uh, opinion, and not everybody currently holds that in, in certain gaming circles. But when my kids are playing with me, they look at me and when I've played with other kids, not only just because I'm the adult and, and they're, you know, high schoolers or middle schoolers or younger, but they're like, can I do this? And they're asking for permission. The players are always asking for permission from the game master. And when the players hear an answer, they don't like and say, well, I don't want to do that. Or that's not the direction I wanted to go. And so on. The players have a lot more, oomph to keep things going or just stop it cold rules arguments usually come up because the players don't like something the way it's been adjudicated or whatever. I really think that's where the, if there's power at the table, I think that's where it lies. So there is uh, now it's come to me where I don't remember where I heard this. I don't know if it was on another podcast. I don't know if it was uh, somebody I know that was talking about it, but they were going to run a game. And they were approaching it more. It was like a D and D game, pretty standard game, like uh, you know, no special rule about this. 
but they turned to the players and started asking them questions to fill in the blanks. And one of the players was very put off by that approach to the point of saying, you're the game master. You're supposed to put this in front of me. I'm not the one that's supposed to come up with this stuff. Which is a style of play. We've talked about that before too. Right. So when you go into that kind of approach, you might say as a game master, I'm going to give the players more latitude, which may be giving them a little bit more power, maybe not the most accurate word to use, but it might be giving them some more fiat to be able to determine their own destiny within the game versus, I mean, most games you sit down, Brett, you're a game master. You say you're in a room and this is what's happening. And you're all part of this group, blah, 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 blah. And episode zero, some of that could have been hashed out, but at the same time, pause you're muted yeah i was typing while sean was talking so i was waiting for you to keep going <laughs> but i was but at the same time um you know sometimes you know it, i think the person that was running it like that was like hey i want to give you guys some meat to chew on and that individual was like no that's not how we play because most of the times it's game master sits down and you know spews forth the the, the problem that the players are going to take on and I don't know. I, this I, all goes back to how do you want to play? How are you normally wanting, wanting? What are you wanting to do? What are you trying to accomplish? What is your character? What are they about? What's their background? So I think you know, part of this can, I mean, I think where I'd like to take this is it's more than just player agency during the game, right? So we've talked about that and many other people have as well. But I think <clears throat> the power of the players is such that it's easy for me to say, hey, I'm a game master. I can even something as simple as scheduling. There's only one of me and there's four of you, right, to schedule around. And everyone wants to be there when the game master is available. So I'm available on Wednesdays at 6 o'clock. And half of you can't make it this week. All right, we got to reschedule for the next one. Um, when the players decide <clears throat> that they're sick of playing Shadowrun and they'd really like to play D&D again, the game master can want to play Shadowrun all he or she wants, but if that's what Ange wants to do and no one at the table wants to do that and, you know, Eileen and Brad are like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to we, we don't want to do this. We want to play D&D. We're, we're sick of Shadowrun. Oh, well, I had this whole plot and everything laid out, says the game master. We're like, oh, too bad, Ange. Sorry. Sorry, Sean. I know you guys are having fun, but uh, Eileen and Brett, we, we don't want to do this anymore. Right. I, I've had more campaigns killed, not through my own desires, but over the years of where players are, they've just lost interest in whatever it is. So it's not necessarily just, <clears throat> excuse me, agency at the table. Like, Hey, make sure the players don't feel railroaded and that they've got the great, all the things that they can, they can do. I think that that piece is, is very important because there's a lot of power there and the agency that they can have, but just players in general, how you play, how you physically play, how you act at the table. Are you working with the game master when they want to try something different? Are you active participant in that? Are you shutting down Sean every time he wants to try a funny accent? Are you making fun of him? Right? That type yeah, of... Yeah, because that's, that's not cool. No, it's not. But that, that happens, though, right? Even when it's good-natured ribbing at first, and then it doesn't stop, it becomes obnoxious, and then that you've, you've wrecked that person's fun, and then that changes the entire tone of the game. 
Even when you're on a podcast. <laughs> Even. <laughs> <clears throat> so I guess it's it is interesting to me that I there's a thing that somebody somebody wrote in once to John Wick and and he responded to it in a video on YouTube like you know you're only playing your the games you design John or something along these lines is basically you're not you you don't know how to deal with or you're not helping me deal with these asshole players and John's like why are you playing with assholes that was the, <laughs> that, that was the answer that's true and um it's a goofy thing but I've learned that over the years if I'm like if I don't like you as a person I'm probably not going to like you as a gamer if I've gamed with you and you're a jerk and everyone else at the table thinks you're a jerk and we're like, you know what? Um, I don't want to play with her anymore. She's a jerk. And if everyone else is like, well, this is just the cards we're dealt is what we've got to do. It's not the eighties or the early nineties anymore. I can walk away from that group. And <clears throat> I think that's a thing that game masters often, once you finally get a group together, that can meet whenever you want to, and it, it's working and it's going really well. Um, it's sometimes like, oh, I do have to work with what I've been given, and the group only wants to play D&D. They never, ever want to play anything else. I want to try Dungeon World or Apocalypse World or Amber or something. This group, will they'll be damned if they'll try anything new. Well, you might have to leave. And I think that's a hard truth, in my opinion, that, that some people don't want to do, that we always are trying to figure out a way to, to fix the situation and correct it. There's tons of ways to try to do that. You know, being more open and being more this or trying different tools. But I think at a certain point we have to admit that, you know what, this isn't, this is not a good fit and I'm going to leave. And it doesn't necessarily have to be hard feelings for it. Sean has said that before to me, Brett, if you're not having any fun, you can, you don't have to play, man. That's totally cool. I'm like, no, I'm having fun. I'm just, you know, playing it relaxed. Okay, cool. That's fine. But there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, this is not working because I, as the game master, want to run this type of game and every player at the table except for one are wrecking it. Or they don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, instead, Brett decided to play and then wreck it. That was more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I stay on the ship. I shoot stuff. Do you play Star Wars, Brett? I've never seen Star Wars. I don't like Star Wars. But I'm going to play anyway. I'm yeah, going to play good. anyway. Good. That's a good... Hey, hey, fellow players and GMs out there, <laughs> that is a hint, right, by the way. If you have a, a player that is like, hey, you know, I don't like it. But I'll play. I like. Oh, I had fun. Be, be I had wary. fun with that game. Damn it! Brett's trying to shoot shit from a freighter that's landed on the ground. He's trying to shoot something like ten miles away. Yeah, because I've got guns that can do that. Why wouldn't I do that? So. <laughs> Anyways, oh. it wasn't bad. Brett was good, but nonetheless, I would. I still would be kind of weary of somebody that wasn't wanting to play a particular game and they're doing it under duress. Because, I don't know, man, there's some kind of cynicism that goes along with that that could come through in the game, and they could be one of those that start to dick around a little bit. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you and I have known, have known each other for over a year since we, <clears throat> before we started doing that. Why should we know each other longer than that? We've been doing the podcast for over a year before we played that. So if I said, you know what, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I'll get into it. I'll play support character. I'll play the mechanic. I can. I want to learn the system. It should be fun. I'll figure it out. And it was cool. I mean, however, you're you're damn right. <laughs> I mean, if it was, if I was at my table and Zave's like, and I'll tell you what. So my gaming group, half of them will play Amber, half of them despise it. 
And Dave has looked at me. Dave looks at me. I guess, me it, says, all, I guess it all depends on who you want to play with. Exactly. Xavier. All right. This week it's Amber. <laughs> yeah. If I say Amber, I've got. Um, uh, let's see, Zave, Kevin, Austin, Chad, uh, and they'll all bail. <laughs> so half my table is like, all right, we're out. And they'll get, they'll, they know they can come back when I'm done, but they have no interest in playing that game. And I think that's a – when I say the other piece is it's not just agency at the table. But I have had players do that where they're going to play it, and they sit down, and, they, and they've actively hated the game for whatever reason, and they've tried to be assholes about it. And at the end of it, you're like, well, what's the problem? Why, why? I hate this game. Why are you playing this game? Well, it's what we do every weekend. Well, just say no. Go do something else for for a couple of months. Why Why do you have to do this? You don't have to play this game with us. Well, it's the only game I got. Well, that's not my fucking problem, dude. I mean, you don't have to. If you don't, you either get into it or, you know, fake it to make it or do something. But um, if you really hate the game as a player, don't do it. And I think that's a, a very good point. If you, as a game master, say, hey, I'd like to run some Dungeon Crawl Classics. And someone like Austin says, well, I kind of, it's really not, not my game. I kind of don't think it'd be that fun. You look Austin in the eye and say, okay, man, I'll tell you what, it's going to run for a certain period. I'll keep you, I'll keep you in the loop. And um, when we're done playing, you can come back and I'll let you know what we're going to play after that. Okay. Says Austin, that sounds good. Now that's, that's the same thing for a GM too, like where, where players will all want to play one game. And I've listened to podcasts where they're like, you should play the game the GM wants to run. And the re and the reason they say that is because if the GM isn't into the game and they don't they don't have a passion for the game they're running, it's not going to be a good experience. So Brett could be all juiced up to play DCC, and Sean's like, ah, "Okay, Brett, Kevin, Jim, whatever." And I go, "Sure, fine. Those games are going to suck, I think, because I'm going to be like." screw this crap man all right and then just if it forces the issue i don't know it's got to be it's got to be majority like uh, almost unanimous it does or at least have people that i mean and we've talked not about- as opposed to anonymous yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing the other thing from a bartering perspective and i've had players do this before and i've done this when i've played before is say well when we're done how, how long are you going to play it for when we're done with this can we do something else? I'd like to play Cthulhu again. Everyone goes, yeah, Cthulhu would be kind of cool, but I really want to do this. So how about we play this first and I'll get my, my treat afterwards. All right, fine. I'll play DCC for a bit. Knowing full well when that game is done, I got some call of Cthulhu awesomeness coming up. I can jump in there and I can play that. So I think that's important. But I do, I mean, showing up, playing the game the Game Master wants to play. Hmm. So I think if you have a game that is GM-managed, uh, maintained that person does some prep or improv or whatever it is they do. If that's the focal point for how rulings and all those things are made, it does make sense, which is why that session zero is so freaking important. If the players sit down, you're like, look, this is what we're going to play. We're going to play Lamentations of the Flame Princess. I'm going to play, um, you know, uh, th- this adventure uh, better than any man. We're going to play this and this and this. And it's better for you as a player to say, eh, that does not sound interesting to me. I'm not mad at you, Sean. I just don't want to play that. You're like, well, okay, it's you know, it's just an adventure. It won't take all that long. I figure we play every other week. We should be done by June. Is that cool? Yeah, fine. I'll find something else that will come back in June. Some people can't. <laughs> some people don't want to like lose their gaming group. 
and they think that if they step out as game master or player, that group will just run away from them. Like they can never get back in it, I think. But anyway, uh, do do. I think the the best thing to if you want to have like a balance before before anything, or you want to really balance out the power, if you will, is be as forthright as humanly possible. Right. I do believe, honestly, at, at the end of the day, the players have more power than the game master. Not always a lot, but the players want to. They want a mutiny. That's where the mutiny starts. If they want to refuse to play your game, that's where they're at. If they say, fuck this railroad, Sean, and they hop off and go somewhere else and they fight you at every turn, the players are the ones that do that. The game master who railroads everybody is one person against the whole group. And the whole group can pull the game master aside and say, hey, Brett, stop being a dick. Um, and it's you know not even dealing with, again, in-game player agency and so on, but just the even the, the scheduling stuff and just being difficult and we're here to play but Brett's always away from the table you know Brett can wreck the entire mood of the game by always having to step away to check on the cat oh I gotta let the dog out again oh I gotta go do this oh I gotta go do that oh I'll be right back I gotta make coffee oh I gotta go get you need some snacks something as innocuous as that can completely derail a game session by taking people in and out of the mood and that's not always fun either so <laughs> I think being as honest as you can up front is probably the way to go. You with me, Sean? I am. You am. I am. So, I mean, when we instead of having it be, and maybe this is where all this rambling goes to, instead of having it be a battle for power or a battle of wills and like, hey, the game master wants to do a thing, we got, how do I wrangle these damn, bag these, you know, herd these cats, bag these snakes, as we say in project manager language, how do we get these jerk players to do what we want them to do? How do we get this damn game master to do what I want him to do? You know, so Sean, what would you, is there something we can do at the beginning? I'm seeing that you've got some initial questions there. So what would you do to try to balance the power out before, before this even becomes a problem? How would you avoid it? Well, the first thing you got to ask the group is what game is everybody interested in playing? Like actual game, not the type of game. Well, I guess it could be one or the other, but I think it's got to be, what usually it's what game? Even if it starts with, well, I want to play a fantasy D and D like game. Sure, you, you, at least it's a start. So then the follow ups are you talking about five E D and D, Dungeon World, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Rollmaster? Right. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, no, no! I'm talking about like old school BX D and D. Oh, okay, that's a totally different game than five E or Rollmaster. But in the end, you're still getting the game. Yes. In the right. end, you drive for that. Get that right. answer. Get that Call answer. Call Cthulhu, Dungeons and Dragons, what edition, espionage, okay. That's the number one. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Oh, I think your number two up here makes a lot of sense, too, is does everyone own the game, and is that necessary? That's right. <clears throat> I have had groups that are like, look, I, I'd play that, but I don't own the game. Some games, depending on what it is, Dungeon Crawl Classics is one of those games where I had a couple of players say, should I get it? And I said, yes, go get the PDF. Because if you want access to the charts and some of the information within it, it's really handy to have. Go get the PDF from drive through It's not that expensive. It'll serve you well. Other games like uh, Dungeon World, no, not so much. If the Game Master's handing out playbooks, you've got it. Off you go. I don't need to go buy Dungeon World. As long as I can narrate what I want to do and understand this, understand it, have 2D6, I'm good to go. That's true. It's very true. 
And sometimes it doesn't matter. Like they may not all own it, but they're all up for buying it. But they, but the, but as a consensus that comes into play, uh, that comes into determining which game you want to play. So if, if everybody owns it, then it's a no brainer. But if they don't, then it's, well, I don't really want to buy it. And somebody could say, well, you don't necessarily need to, or you can borrow my book or it's online. If it's open license, whatever. True. Yeah. So number three is who wants to GM? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you've got somebody who's like, well, I, I, I want a game master. We've talked about that before. Uh, the mongrel was talking about that. Trying to get somebody else to be the GM is not always that easy. And sometimes through that discussion of, well, I'd like to run like a sandbox AD&D old school game. And someone goes, hey, I've always had an idea for that. I'd love to game master that for you. You know, pull that out <clears throat> through that discussion. Find out who wants to game master. Um, sometimes sometimes uh, you'll, you'll find out there there's certain people in your groups like, I want a game master. It's like, well, I don't know if that's a good idea, Brett. Maybe we should let Sean do that instead. Um <laughs> Uh, but seriously though, I think asking who, if there's somebody who wants to do it, if everyone's like, boy, I'd really like to play Call of Cthulhu. I haven't played that in forever. Well, who wants to be the keeper? You get dead silence. Okay. So we got a bunch of people who want to play, but nobody wants to run. Well, you know, then you can work out and negotiate. Look, I'll run this one, but somebody after this, then I'd like to do D and D. So I need you to run that for me, Sean. All right, right. I'll run or whatever. That's right. What's your next one there? How long do we want this game to last? Is it going to are you going to run it for a couple months, six sessions, a year till it comes to an end? <clears throat> you know, when I was in high school and even in college that never mattered. It was always a, we're going to play it until we're done, god damn it. They're just going to play. And uh, now that we're all grownups, and even <laughs> even when I look at my kids, the schedules they have, the tons of shit people are doing um, away from the gaming table, it's often handy to say, look, if you want to get in on this, I'm looking at we're going to play every other week for four months. Oh, it's a four-month commitment. All right, that's between now, summer's good, that's before hunting season. Yeah, I'm in. I can totally do that. I had a problem where at one point I had overcommitted some gaming last year, and I had to tell Sean, I'm like, dude, I, I, I totally... Fuck myself! I've got too many. I got too many irons in the fire. I got to back out. I had to back out of one game, and it just—it's—it's it's a thing that needs doing. And it was one of those questions that I didn't ask at the beginning: of How long are we going to do this? And should have asked, but I think that's a really good point. And that kind of ties into the last one: is how often are we going to game, right? Um, <clears throat> and how often and location. If the decision is that you're going to play online, great. I can play from my from my house. I can play from wherever. If the answer is, hey, I'm going to always go to um, Sean's place, and that's where everyone's going to show up, then what happens when Sean's sick or we can't make it there or Sean has cats and somebody's allergic to them, blah, blah, blah. Those two things, how often and where, can be very important to figure out. And again, this the whole goal of the asking this stuff kind of in that it's even like pre session zero it's like session sub zero almost especially if you're in Wisconsin. Um, the point is that this helps to level that power playing field. You have had a discussion before you've even started rolling the dice to make your characters and talk about the background of that world. You've had that talk so that everyone knows what they're getting into and everyone is signed up. So that way, when Brett decides to be a dick two sessions in. The whole group can look at him and go, you signed on to play Star Wars, Brett. Quit bitching about Star Wars being stupid. We've had enough of that. 
Yeah, Every, Brett. Yeah, Brett. Jerk. Right. And then the last one. When are we going to start? He's talking so, about like a dates or times or both. Well, a little bit of both, I guess, because then you've got um, the the when piece is going to be like, well, when, Brett, you're going to run this. When do you think you'll be ready? That's you true. A couple, yeah. a couple weeks to prep, and then are we going to play in the morning, evening, afternoon? What's that going to look like? Is it four-hour sessions, eight-hour sessions, start at noon and quit when we're done? What do you think? Yeah. That's a good, those are so good questions. The thing about these seven questions is that it's not black and white. It's going to be a back and forth. And you're going to whittle this down throughout the discussion with multiple people because not everybody's going to answer this all these questions the same way and they're not always going to want the same as everybody else. But the goal is to get as many people as you can to agree on as many of these as possible. Absolutely. And again, the, the nuclear option is you look at it and go, wow, there's five of us. None of us agree on anything. You guys want to play Texas Hold'em? Yeah, we like that. Good. We'll do that instead. I mean, <laughs> sometimes the group looks at each other and says, you know what? We all want to do something different or we all game differently. Or we, none of us can make it. Well, then the group has to dissolve. And the other semi-nuclear option is that I don't want to play with this group for X, Y, and Z reason. I'm going to step out, Sean. I'll let you know when I'm available again. And if there's space, can I play again? Sean says, sure, Brett, let me know. Great. Walk away. Um, I, <clears throat> in this online, I know some folks don't like gaming online and everyone likes, and we all prefer, at least I do, to game face-to-face. But if your schedule seriously doesn't allow it, unless you are going to choke down everything that you can't stand about Star Frontiers just because everyone else in the group wants to play Star Frontiers and you'll be goddamned if you're not going to role-play, well, remember, you signed up to do that. You promised that group you would choke down everything you hated about Star Frontiers and you would play Star Frontiers. And the group has a right then to look at you and say, hey, Brett, you dick, you said that you would play this with us. Stop bagging on Star Frontiers or whatever the game is. So I think, Sean, anything else to add to this? It's it's called being a good citizen. Really? It is. Be a good citizen. And frankly, you know, if it's not your your thing... You could say, how long do we want to, how long is everybody going to play this game? Eight months. And then they could say, oh, that's, eight too, months. that's too long. I don't want to. That's not, that's cool. Well, all right. That's eight months. All right. Call me out. I'll, I'll call you in, call you in September. Yeah. Or, hey, I could, yeah, I can, I could choke my hate for, for Indiana Jones, the role playing game. I can choke my hate for that for two, two months because whatever. That's right. Or is it a one shot or whatever the case is? Yeah, you're gonna only run it for a couple months. Oh, okay, I could do that. And then, but I wanna, I wanna run this. I wanna run this next game. Is everybody cool with that? Like, I can run that after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think what this is essentially turned into, and I wasn't quite sure how to even codify at the beginning, but this is like the pre-session zero. This is like the negotiating before you even get to session zero. Correct. In my opinion, when you sit down and say, "Hey, this is the game group that all decided that we could all make it together." And we've all agreed that we're going to let Brett run Trailer Cthulhu. Great. So we're all going to make stuff. Great. So, Brett, give us the background. How do we make our characters? What do we do? Boom, you're sliding into session zero at that point. But this is that initial upfront discussion that to help you balance the level of power at the table. And it's because it's players versus organizers or player versus game master. Keep 
excuse me, keeper, whatever, but just leveling the playing field for everyone at the table that we've all agreed to be here and either spoken aloud or the unspoken rule is if the five of us agreed to do this and Sean has decided to be difficult about it, I now have a reason that all of us could say, Sean, you need to leave or stop doing that, right? If you haven't had that discussion up front, it's much like a session zero. If you come to the table with like your tiefling warrior priestess oracle and Sean goes, uh, I'm playing in old school Greyhawk. You can't do that. You know, well, no one told me. And you've got these weird arguments. Have the shit up front, even pre-session zero, as we say, and you're going to be in a better position, at least understanding what your position is and uh, where where it all lies, where it all lays out for you. So anyway, like, uh, like we beat that one enough. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah, it started out with who runs the game, but this is the ending is nipping it all in the bud. So it doesn't really matter. Exactly. It it won't matter if you're running a game that is GMless. That's cool. Guess what? What games are we interested in playing? Do we need to buy the game? Hey, who's going to help us, you know, work our way through this new system of GMless role playing, which you've never done before. Oh, so Sean, I've done this before. I can help you out. How long are we going to do it? How often? All of that stuff. Ask that stuff up front, and then you ha- then you know what you're signing up for. Otherwise, you get into a game, you're like, wow, I'm playing DCC for the 15th fucking month, and I didn't think I'd be doing that. You can get resentment that way. Whoops. Whoa. Wrong, wrong bumper. Die roll, wrong man. Wrong button. Die roll. They're right next to each other. Die roll! Two to four miscellaneous points, gaming, geekery, and inspiration we want to share with you. Brett, go ahead. I've got just the one. Robin Laws uh, through Pelgrane Press has announced the King in Yellow RPG is coming. Um, looks like there will be crowdfunding, most likely a Kickstarter, I would assume, this year. Um, you see, crowdfunding in 2017 for a 2018 release. So love me some King in Yellow, and I'm a fan of Robin Laws, so I'm hoping it should be a good game. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, Sean, and over to you, sir. She said hello, what I said, fellow? Why don't you come and sit next to me and find <laughs> find your king in yellow? Nice. Uh, first one: Wizards of the Coast enters the digital age by releasing an official app to support your D and D campaign. Posted on the Verge, another major tech geek website out there. I think uh, it's pretty. It's cool. It's out there. Um, check that out. It's kind of, kind of about time in my humble opinion, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. They've tried that before. I had the, the old CD-ROM, uh, back in, I think second edition. I think I still have that laying around somewhere that it was not very good. So I'm glad they're pulling this together. I heard they're going to call it Gleemax. What? <laughs> you don't remember Gleemax? <laughs> no. Oh, Brett. Oh, no. No, I feel Surrender like your nerd. Surrender your nerd card. All right. Keep going. All right. Next one. RPG management sim. King's Way is the offspring of Windows 98 and a D&D dungeon manual. Got to check it out. Um, I posted it on Google Plus about a week ago. It looks like a Windows 98 like operating system, only it's like resource management. Like... <laughs> Around the RPG era. So, yeah, if you've got a love for D&D and RPGs and Windows 98, this thing is for you. <laughs> Sweet. 
Sweet. I know I got some Windows 98 fans out there. Yeah, you never know. When- yeah. Especially, oh, is it the uh, Windows 98 SE? Wh- woot, woot. Windows fans never die. They just lock up. Um, oh, oh, all right. Mo, the game father over in our listener section here pointed out a Kickstarter about map forge. Looks pretty cool. Um, let me get it up here. Well, well, I'll sing it a little jaunty. It's a low cost, easy to use software making map, excuse me, low cost, easy to use map making software focused on creating gorgeous high res tile based tactical scale battle maps. Looks kind of cool. Um, they've got a ways to go. They are looking for, well, shit, no. Oh, they're only looking for a $9,000 gold. They've got over 41 K. Wow. I totally read that backwards. They're well for, they're well funded. No, I, I haven't had a chance to dig into them as far as battleground games, LLC and how, how they've done with other Kickstarters, but it's, uh, worth taking a peek at. Eli Kurtz did a really cool thing. He has a wonderful blog post about better character voices as a carryover from our voices episode. So that was really, really nice. And he gave us a nice shout out in the blog post as well. So Eli, thank you, sir. Oh, the mongrel beat Sean and a couple others, I think hit this up there. There's this awesome uh, Templar cave that was found. It's this stunning 700 year old cave. Apparently uh, some rabbit burrow leads into it or something along those in the, it's where the grail is, man, in the British countryside. Yes. Uh, Shane Freeman found two, uh, it's an excellent source. I've seen this thing out there before and I'd forgotten it existed. It's a two sentence horror stories, uh, for game plots. Some of these are really, really cool. Um, go out there, link in the show notes, take a look at those. And last but not least, I want to give Michael Drescher a little love. He's a longtime listener and follower of us and a good friend of the show. Um, he's looking to run some fate. He announced in our Google Plus stream saying, hey, BSers, anybody want to uh, do some online fate gaming? I think he's got a couple takers, uh, but if anybody's interested in giving it a shot, uh, check out Mr. Michael Drescher on Google Plus. Hit our community up, and you can find it in there. So Michael will want to ask or want to know, or they will want to know from Michael, how long is he going to run the game? How often is he going to run the game? Do I need to buy the rules? Do I need rules to play? Because you've already answered the, hey, is anyone interested in playing? We're trying to find out if anybody is. He's asking that question. Bam. He's right. going to Game Master. And we already know what the game is. But how long and uh, how often and all that stuff. And where are we going to play? Exactly. Roll 20, and when is whatever. He, and when is he going to start? Exactly. All right. Well, that's great, Brett. What are we talking about next week? Well, Sean, I was thinking about digging back into our uh, character focus. We had a good time with Fightor. I was thinking of maybe <gasps> reaching into the cleric bag or maybe even the thief or rogue. So <gasps> thinking of uh, grabbing one of those and pulling them out. Oh, the player series continues exactly. on Gaming NBS. All right. Well, oh, I got a little something something in the works, Brett, that's coming up in a few weeks. What is it? A little, a little talk about Cypher System. Oh, yes. you uh, dropped We're going to be speaking about Cypher System. Oh, that's right. That's right. As if we were, yes, it's some sort of a, yes, some sort of Cypher, yeah. some sort of Ciphered speak. That's very good. Okay, gotcha. That's right. Got it, got it. Yes, right. So uh, tune in. That's coming. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Gaming and BS. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all.
This episode and many others brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason Blaylock, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Nat Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnson, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Pratt Pazinski, Tim Shorts, Chad Knight, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Nicholas Abruzzo, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz, the Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Brassett, Mr. Rick Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Tabletop Talk Podcast, Stefan Dragonspawn, Evan Harrison, Cass, Finolf, Ray Otis, Merkel Freulich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jared Rasher, and Jared Lytle. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Consider going to gamingandbs.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, listeners. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.